You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. everyone, it's this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. For the second week in a row, we have an in-person guest this week. It's Todd Martin, former Top 5 player, CEO of the International Tennis Hall of Fame right now. We are recording this at uh, a lovely location that Todd can uh, talk about. We're both uh, in Hawaii for an event this week that's been spectacular, but uh, we don't talk much about Hawaii. Todd and I talk about the Hall of Fame. I know it's always a, uh, a topic of interest with you guys who doesn't get in, who does get in, who should get in, who shouldn't get in. We talk a little bit about the procedures with uh, with Todd and what he's trying to do in his, I guess it's not so new anymore, but his, his role as a uh, CEO of, of the Tennis Hall of Fame. So uh, good good Hall of Fame discussion coming up with uh, one of the sports good guys. This is Todd Martin. Why don't we, uh, you, you want to you do the plug? You want to do the plug portion of today's show and uh, sure. tell the good good folks where we're doing this? Welcome to the Four Seasons Hualalai in Kona, Hawaii. Uh, we are here doing a Tennis Insiders camp. Uh, Michael Chang, Jose Higueras, Mark Kovacs uh, of sports science fame, Kerry Glassman of nutrition fame, John Wertheim of podcast fame. There you go. And, and Todd Martin. And um, it's been a it's, it's been, been a, fun, right? Yeah, it's been a special week. Yeah, and nice to uh, you know nice to be here with friends and family, but also you know for me being somebody who doesn't get to be on the court very much anymore, it's been a lot of fun to. Um, sort of try to sharpen my teaching uh, metal and um, you know it's it's just being it's nice to be around people who are in, engaged and interested in getting better at tennis I'm going to call this the first annual in hopes that uh, we'll do this again next year and uh, pe- people will hear this and hopefully, no, I, I hopefully thinking, we'll you, be invited back if, if you came here and it's I mean I to, to my mind 
Jose Higueras is as good, you know, that, that's as fine a tennis coach as there is, bar none. And you and Michael and sports science and, you know, the, we have a nutritionist here. Pretty good. Pretty good gig. I, if, you've, if you've signed up for it, I don't think you're coming away disappointed. Put it that no, way. No, I think it's I think it's a great experience. I think, um, you know, it's it's always funny. You, you, you buy a ticket for something because of a draw. But oftentimes what gets you to come back is not necessarily that that bigger that bigger uh that bigger so draw true yeah exactly. and i for me i mean i uh, i'm incredibly biased jose was my coach or teacher for 14 years of my my professional career uh, it's he's not why people decided to come to the tennis insiders camp but he will be the reason why so many people yeah, would exactly. be interested in coming back so, so I was looking up, uh, this is a transition part of today's show. I was looking up Jose, and I know him as, you know, that's Jose Garris, the guy who's sitting in the box when players win majors, and he was your <laughs> coach, and he was Michael's coach, and he was Jim's coach. I think he worked, he worked with Pete. Did he work with yeah. he worked with all five of you besides Andre, huh? That's amazing. And, and uh, he's, I know he's close to Andre. Yeah, and that's then amazing. he also participated uh, significantly in Federer's career, right. and uh, not insignificantly in Nadal's career, just not... Um, not necessarily known. The um, no, I mean it's a remarkable coaching career. But then you go back and look it up, and he he predated. I mean we're about the same. I think he he predated us both. I don't remember him as a player. He was a hell of a player. He was a great player. In fact, I uh, that was one of the great things about um, me being assigned by the USTA to his responsibility when I first turned professional. Um, for me, going out to Palm Springs to work with Jose, it was, it was an honor. You know, I, uh, I knew him as a player. I didn't know him as a coach yet. Uh, he had, I think at the time he was probably 35, 36 years old. And, um, but I had remembered him in the, you know, the few chances to watch uh, European clay, clay court tournaments on U.S. cable. Uh, I remember seeing Jose in one, one, one tournament in, in particular where um, they were, you know, I, I tuned in and it was, they were warming up and they did, you know, the typical biographical stuff. And as the commentators were talking about Jose, they were talking about him like a human being, not like a tennis player. And talking about his character and um, the things he was doing to, to give back to people. And, uh, Growing up in in Middle America, that was that was core to what my education was, and so I really uh, I was drawn close to him before I ever even ever knew him. You said there, uh, you, you and I grew up near each other. So there's something something very Midwest about Spain in general, I think. But uh, well, it, you know, Jose comes from as working class of a right. family as there is, and um, uh, he was a, a a ball boy at the tennis club for the members not a ball boy for the tournament but a ball boy for for the members on a daily basis that was his job uh, and he wasn't doing that just for community hour community service hours he was doing that to bring some money home to help feed the family and um, I, I think there's a real there's a real purity when we when when we get into cultures that are uh, honorable and you know doing everything they can to put food on the table for their families 
uh, and they're grounded in, in some pretty fundamental principles, uh, you get some amazing, amazing people out of those, those cultures. The, um, but, but I, I was going to say that uh, he's done such a fine job coaching, you forget about his former career, and I think, you know, you were top five player, reached major finals. You, you are now the CEO of the International Tennis Hall of Fame, and I think for a lot of people, that's that's your new that's your new identity. So so a, how are you rolling with that? And then b, I, I think I can't tell you how much mail I get or how much this comes up in conversation. Who does and doesn't should and shouldn't yeah. get into the Hall of Fame is a topic of bottomless uh, interest <laughs> for tennis fans. So first, I mean, how, how's this transition going? Where you're no longer, you know, t- Todd Martin, the top five player. You're Todd Martin, uh, head of an organization. Yeah, it's. Um well, first of all, I'm comfortable with it, and I, I enjoy that. But uh, it is very distinct. I am, um, um, you know, both both by my uh, my former peers on the on the tour, and um, and by those in the in the administration of the sport. Uh, I'm deemed to be a suit. I'm I'm no I'm no longer a former player. Occasionally, it's a caveat, which. Frankly, I I would um, I prefer it this way, you know. I I, um, I, I always feel it's uh, it's best to be known for what you're doing, not for what you've done. And um, I'm trying my best to to do a good job at something that uh, a few years ago was quite foreign to me, but uh, has grown uh, grown to be something I'm very comfortable with and and enjoy quite a bit. The the discussion about who gets in and who doesn't is fortunately one I get to dodge you, uh, really well because <laughs> and really easily because uh, the only thing I'm uh, involved in when it comes to this uh, to who gets in and who gets out is the administration of it all and um, so I don't have to opine on whether Joe's record stands up to Mary's or vice versa uh, I only have to make sure that the policies and procedures are being followed, and um, and that uh, and everybody is doing f- fulfilling their responsibility within the uh, uh, within the um, construct of our um, I- I- induction process. If you sounds will. so suit like um, no, but I mean, do, do you have? Are you indifferent? Are you neutral? Do you do you have no, views I have, on? No, I have strong opinions. Um, and in the committee meeting that creates the ballot, um, I, I have voiced some of those opinions, um, and not from a not from a this guy should be in and, right, and right, this person right. shouldn't, but from a we you know you have to look at things on a con, uh, on a um, on a continuum if you will, and there there you want. You, in a perfect world, Hall of Fame induction is absolute. It's this person's body of work exceeds a defined threshold, and then this person's doesn't. Inevitably, though, there is a comparative element to it, and which is fine. That's the human element of all of this. But if the comparative element doesn't doesn't make sense 
from a logic standpoint, then then we have then then there's something to answer to, and that's fine. I mean, we can answer to it, and the and the answer just categorically is the committee made their decision, and the voters have voted. You know that, and that's that's it. Um, so, but bottom line, would you, would you like to see you're okay with the standards? Would you like to see them get? So we strict. I mean, again, well, we, we no just threshold. Yeah, we tough. just we just went through a um, a thorough review and amend, amendment of our policies and procedures, which I don't want to say got into the standard business, okay. uh, the standard of induction business. However, we towed the waters a little bit, and I think um, on a player on on the player side, we're going to continue to have some of the same deliberations as has always been. Why Why is she in and she isn't? Or why is he in and why is he isn't? Um, on the contributor side, we I do believe that we strengthened the standards. Um, and, that, and that's because um, I think if, if, if I could summarize it is the the players who have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame have, have either won the greatest tournaments in the world and or have been, not been number one for some duration of time. And so a contributor in, in, in some ways should be judged on that, on that, on that metric. Would, have they be ever the analog, have they yeah. ever been the very very best at their craft? And and that's a difficult question to answer because it is right. so subjective in, in the contributor realm. But we have to understand that exceptional contributions to the sport. Loads of people have made exceptional contributions to the sport. But we have to, you know, I think that bar really needed to be raised, and that's why we've changed it to be more a visionary leader, pioneer, and somebody who's made a transcendent uh, impact and on the sport. And the voting's not every year, right? Now, the, yeah, the, 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 the um, contributor category will be considered every four years now. Gotcha. And that would include, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen it. There's, there's a petition going around for yeah. Richard Williams. There's, uh, there are a number of other uh, potential candidates that maybe aren't necessarily obvious in the way they may have been in the yeah. past. So that's every four years there's now... It is every four years, and I, I think by doing it every four years, um, it raises the bar nat- naturally. Right. I also look at it and say, um, under exceptional circumstance, or ex- exceptional con- contributions, I look at it and I say, well then, you know, that's going to predispose us to administrators, promoters, and, and the such. Um, somebody who, who's been visionary and a pioneer and has made a transcendent impact on the sport opens up, uh, I think, a broader uh, group of possible contributors. And if, if you look at somebody like Richard Williams, I would look at him almost first in that, in that discussion Considering, the, I mean, the boldest vision you could possibly imagine, uh, he led his daughters <laughs> to, to, to the promised land, right. if you will. And if, if not for him, the transcendence that has been Venus and Serena would have never occurred. 
So um, I think there's an amazing case for, for Richard um, down the line. Are you prepared, if these standards get more more stringent um, and more strenuous, is there, are you prepared for having some summers come by and there's there's no one to induct? Well, that's that's the um, the premise by which we entered the discussions. Um, the business of the Hall of Fame has to be able to stand on its own. It it's um, the show can't be the business. No. The induction the induction right. weekend. Yeah, right. the business can benefit from a great show. Um, and when we have really strong induction classes with people like Andre Agassi or, or, or others, certainly the business of the Hall of Fame improves, but we're a lot more than a one-event business. We have, um, we have the, the responsibility to preserve and promote the history of the sport, got a 12,000 square foot museum. Say, the, the, the venue itself it's, is it's, remarkable. It, so um, we, had, we had to be prepared to not have an induction class at, at any moment um, in order to have the authenticity or integrity of the policies and procedures hold up. Because, you know, if in a given year your ballot, you know, the best player out there never won a slam and highest ranking was was three in the world you can't induct that person just, just because of, yeah. you need somebody to induct we got to cater to uh, pay you, you, yeah. you have to be willing to suffer um, from a business side in order to make sure that the authenticity prevails um, so I, I I not only am okay with it but I expect it will happen um, I was gonna say, you you if, just sort of map this not out, and soon. you never know who's going to retire when, obviously. Yeah. But I think on the men's side, especially, they, well, and, and women's too, a very few, a very small subset of players has done a vast majority of the winning. That uh, you just kind of do the math, and absolutely, it's it's absolutely the case, and um, um, and if and if that's if if. If the voters don't deem the others who haven't who haven't had Federer and Nadal's and the Williams sisters' careers, if they don't deem the others to be worthy of induction, then they won't be inducted. Um, and in which case, you know, we do different we do different work in order to promote the history of the sport and celebrate our champions. We bring, you know, bring the history makers back and 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 celebrate and celebrate them and uh, uh, it's it won't be as enjoyable uh, from a business side of things but at the same time first and foremost we are the Hall of Fame which is um, the the benchmark for greatness in our sport and you is there any talk about having standards I mean so some a name that's come up uh just in, in chatter is is Lena, and people say, "Well, she, I don't think she she never got to number one, and she won two majors, which is great." But then people say, "But look what she did! She opened the gates to, to China. Think about how many you know hundreds of millions of people she exposed to tennis." And someone else says, "That shouldn't matter. If I'm from a small country, I shouldn't be punished." And there's and it's very healthy and it's very reasonable on both sides. But 
there there is a debate that exists because these standards don't necessarily exist ironclad. I mean, I th- doesn't doesn't golf say here here are the boxes you have to check, and if you check them, you're good, and if you don't, you're not. At one point in time, they did. Um, but they, they they don't, don't do that anymore. anymore. Okay. No. Um, but you, you have it might have been the say, LPGA that um, that had I think that's it, right. it was yeah. two majors and a certain number exactly. of uh, number of tournaments. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I think um, it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of the greatest tennis players ever to live. It's the <laughs> Hall of Fame, right? And um, and I think it's really hard. It's hard when you enter into a world of subjectivity. Um, it's re- it's re- frankly, it's just really hard to um, identify where on-court performance exclusively and wins and losses exclusively should determine what what somebody's place in the game is. Um, Michael, I, mean, I, think Michael Chang, I think it's healthy, right? Yeah, it's fun Mike, to have a Michael team. Chang, who's here uh, with us, only won one major. And never was ranked number one, number one in the world. And but one of the reasons Lena probably ended up being as good as she was was because Michael opened up the sport to uh, to people of Asian descent and said it's possible. And I, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any problem with that. There's, there's. Um, um, the thing I would have problems with is when somebody's um, somebody's playing career is um, is at a certain level and for one reason or another isn't isn't be giving isn't being given the nod. Right. The uh, I don't know if were you were you there when Michael told that story about the uh, '96 U.S. Open? Were you there for that? Yes. Yeah. So uh, well, I'll tell it real quick. So uh, Michael's within a few. You know he's he's very close to uh, taking over for Pete Sampras, number one ranking in the world, and he's watching the courageous Sampras match, the famous U.S. Open match, and Sampras uh, is, is down match point, and Michael's thinking, "All Courageous wins this point, I become number one in the world," and Courageous misses a forehand, and so not only did I mean had Chang won the final and beaten Pete, he would have been number one, but even before that, a few days earlier, one one gimme forehand, and Michael Chang is number one. So even if we have these ironclad standards, you have to win X, you have to have this ranking. I, th- I thought that was a, a pretty wild demonstration of uh, really is a game of inches, just how, uh, just how delicate those can be. Well, it is. And, and, would, and would Michael Chang's greatness be measured any differently? Or Sorry. Yeah, no, he might right. be measured differently, right. but would his greatness really be any different? Exactly. Literally. If Alex Correia makes a passing shot. Would have yeah. hit a passing shot on that point. Right. Um, you know, I don't know where the voters will ever um, deem this next person I'm going to talk about, but David Ferrer was number four in the world for years on end behind Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic is is the fourth next to those guys in a sustained level of excellence like David achieved Uh, you know what I'm not going to say that um, one way or another but I would at least say um, there's there's a conversation to be had that, that 
there aren't too many people who have sustained a level of excellence, be it at number four, at number one, at number eight, at number 15. But to be that consistently at the top and perform at his peak, right, is, I think it's a demonstration of unbelievable greatness. I just don't think he was born with all the yeah. physical gifts that uh, well, or, or, Federer, born at, or born at the right time. Was, yeah, but I think you got to you got to measure guys the way they are um, against who they are or against. Yeah, yeah, but you you could go further with that and say the same way Michael Chang inspired Lee Na. How many sort of un- undersized players has David Ferrer inspired by? Yeah. Okay, work work hard, don't do stupid things, and compete yeah. and. Um, figure out, yeah, go back to work for your dad in his construction business and figure yeah, right. out that playing tennis a great story. is a pretty good, pretty good gig. Construction sucks. I, I, I think I can go back to hitting yeah. forehands. Um, here's an unpleasant question. That other, uh, I, mean, I, I know there was, I, this may have predated you, but other other sports hall of fames, and I, I think even, there's a rock and roll hall of fame, I think all hall of fames, that you are not uh, inaugurating people that are deceased. They are vital, vibrant uh Organism, sometimes unpleasant uh, facts emerge post-induction. Is, is there a policy? I mean, if, if in baseball, if you found out that inductee X had a, a banned substance issue, mm-hmm. um, there might be a call to remove that, that player. I know tennis had one sort of extraordinary case, but is there a, is, is there a policy? We do have a policy, and unfortunately that policy was created... Uh, because it, um, because uh, a Hall of Famer, a former Hall of Famer, was uh, accused and eventually found guilty of um, uh, sexual, sexual predator um, rape, right. sexual assault. And so subsequent to his induction. Subsequent to his induction. And so, and, you know, the first step was to suspend him indefinitely, and then eventually that person was expelled. Um, That uh, that policy does not apply to those who are deceased because there is no opportunity for that individual to have have an ability to defend himself or herself. And, um, And I think it's an appropriate policy. It's... It's a real sad thing um, that we had to deal with pretty early in my tenure uh, that um, we had to remove somebody from the Hall of Fame, which is, um, you know, something that you, certainly when you're inducting somebody, you would never right. envision did, having to remove them. Did the fact that the crime was, was tennis-related, I mean, he was, this was a former player who no, he was coaching, that, so if, he, if this had been insider trading or if he'd, he'd robbed a bank, it would have been the same analysis. Uh, the the um, um, the the actual terminology is uh, crime of felony or moral turpitude, and um, so anything. So I think okay. you know it's 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 a broad enough um, uh, description that it could apply, but it would also protect um, from the standpoint of you know if somebody in a in a um, authoritarian uh, society was arrested because they disagreed with the political views of their leader and was thrown into jail and convicted of treason or whatever it might be. You'd have the discretion. We, to, we would right. have the discretion. Um, all right, I got I got two more for you. Kim, Kim Kleister's 
gets inducted this year. I was talking to her a few weeks before, and, and she said, you know, it's in Europe, we don't really have these things. And it seemed like cool. I was happy to do it, but it didn't really. And then I talked to, you know, she's obviously married to, to an American and his family. Well, this is a huge deal. Hall of Fame, that's amazing. Uh, and then she got at the spirit and, and was uh, and was thrilled to, to be in Newport. But how do you sort of stress to all the players who didn't grow up in a culture of Hollywood Walk of Stars or Cooperstown or Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, how, how do you sort of impress upon the international players how special this is? Well, it's a constant, it's a constant uh, dialogue with um, those who are um, former players, those who are current players, Hall of Famers, uh, the other organizations that, um, that lead our sport. And um, it's, it's too self-serving to be the Hall of Fame representative and go around and say, Hall of Fame induction means this, this, and this. Uh, it's when people like Andy Roddick are inducted and, um, and they um, share how much it means to them with, with the world, especially in this day, of, uh, day and age of social media and the relationship that is able to be maintained between Andy and the guys who are still on tour. Um, you know, the fact that it meant so much to him uh, for sure has resonated with the likes of Federer and Nadal and Djokovic. Um, it's difficult. It's probably one of the more difficult things that we have to tackle is this American concept of Hall of Fame and, um, and getting the international community, in some ways the fan, but in some ways the, the athlete, uh, energized about what, what this really means. Well, that was, so this was my last question. Fans love this stuff. I mean, someone, I don't know how this guy was, some Stan Wawrinka's, we all, we all agree he should be in. But the fact that this was even a discussion must have 50 emails and, and all over social media, I mean, this. This has become a great parlor game. And I think it's great. It, it, it's, it's healthy. It's fun. Great parlor game for tennis fans. What, what is their role in this? And, and how do you sort of take all of this interest and all these opinions? Um, I mean, name a play. Juan Carlos Ferrero and everybody. You throw it out there and you'll get 50 responses, both sides. How, how do you sort of alchemize that into interest, visitors, you know, whatever else you're trying to do? Boy, um well, I think first and foremost, the history of our sport has been created by everybody. It, it hasn't just been created by the Hall of Famers. So if anybody is ever on the, uh, on the, um, uh, on the cusp of being inducted and doesn't, I think it's still incumbent on us at the Hall of Fame to have their story available, to be able to share that story. Um, the, the other elements of it are, um, you know, I look at it and just say, let's, if, if, if you can make your best case argument for everybody, uh, I think instead of looking at the negatives, instead of saying, yeah, but, right, and yeah, but, you know, like with Stan, uh, Stan Favrinka has never been number didn't two in the world. I was going to say, didn't, right. um, you can't say he won three majors 
yeah, but he never got ranked in the top right. th- in the top two in the world. You say that's that's the best he has to offer. You wouldn't judge uh, a steakhouse on how good their yeah, one tof- off night tof- their right. tofu <laughs> offerings are, nor okay. would you judge the the vegan restaurant on the fact that they don't serve uh, they don't serve steak. You you just have to say how good is this? Well, you know what, Stan Favrinka is really good. How many how many people have ever won three majors? How many people have ever won three majors? Not many. Not many. Final of a four. And then uh, also amidst also amidst a a generation that at least people can deem to be a special one. And well, we can keep going on Stan. Hey, beat Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic. Three majors. Um, no, but, but I'm saying, like, how do we alchemize all this interest and all this passion that fans have about this discussion into... You keep, you keep the discussion going. I mean... Do you send them to Newport? Do you, well, you t- take the show on the road and have a tra- traveling... So I think there's a, couple, there's a couple of things. One, obviously, we'd love to have more visitors in Newport. It's a remote location, and it's not, not easy to get to, and I, I think we all accept that. That being said, I don't think people get disappointed when they are, uh, when they do visit. The, um, but the other thing is, and I think this is probably the most impactful element of our policies and procedures amendments that, um, that we just went through in 2018, we'll introduce fan voting. So um, if, if a fan really wants to participate in that conversation, one that can write to your mailbag, but two, um, and probably more impactfully, <laughs> they can they can get on and they can tick the boxes that they want ticked, uh, and there's uh, there's an there's an effect and impact that they'll have on the ultimate induction of the Hall of Famers. Yao Ming is going to be a tennis Hall of Famer. Um, they're, they're not going to be able to stuff the ballot box like they no, did at the NBA they, All-Star they, game. They will, see, they will see the exact same ballot as our voters will. So if there's 10 people on the ballot, the fans will see all 10 names, and then they can vote for 1, 2, 3, 10, whatever number there are. Um, and uh, I'm, bl- I'm blanking on this. Is the ballot out for next no, year? It'll no, come, it'll, it, well, it's been done, but it'll come out in September. We'll announce it in September. Gotcha. I won't. Uh, I won't make you Good. go through my guesses. Um, all right, this is great. Go. Uh, you're you're due on the court. I know. This is great. I gotta go Appreciate get burnt this. a little bit more. Go get sunburnt. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, buddy. All right, that does it for this week. Special thanks to uh, Todd spending some time with us uh, here. Thanks to our producer Jamie Lasanti. Thanks to everyone for uh, for listening. Um, Interesting talk, this Hall of Fame. And, I, and Todd sort of, uh, I don't want to say undersold it, but Todd could have sold it a little more robustly. He's, I'm, I'm smiling as he overhears me saying that. It's a great venue. It's a great location. Uh, Newport. No one goes to Newport and comes away disappointed. It's a couple hours from Boston, a couple hours from Hartford, a couple hours from New York. Um, it, it's easy to get to. There's an Amtrak that gets you there. It's a fun weekend, and uh, I'd encourage everyone to uh, to visit the Hall of Fame. It's a great, great place to spend a day or a weekend um that'll do it for this week uh we'll have another guest next week i have a suspicion i know who it is but uh i'll keep everyone 
um, in a bit of suspense. But keep your suggestions coming. They've been great. Uh, comments always appreciated. You can download this on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Todd, and we'll do it again in seven days. Have a good week, everyone. We'll be right back.